Hi, this is Chris Date, and you're listening to the The Apologetics Podcast, Episode 49, A Man and a Woman. This episode contains part two of my interview with Michael Glatz, focusing on homosexuality, the Bible, and where the culture gets it wrong. As usual, in the second part of two-part episodes, I'll skip my monologue and any promo for other shows, but let me remind you where we left off. Michael explained for us that in his teens he self-identified as homosexual and went on to passionately engage in gay rights activism. He served as editor at XY Magazine and later co-founded Young Gay America Magazine, co-authored a so-called survival uh, survival guide for gay teens, contributed to a documentary by a PBS affiliate, and contributed to a Time cover article as an expert in gay youth. But in 2004, he experienced a health crisis, and in the seeming face of death, Michael reached out to God and began to read the Bible. Initially, he took more of a liberal view of the Bible's teaching on homosexuality, but as the Holy Spirit sanctified him, he began to see that the Bible does not condone homosexual behavior. And by relying upon the transforming power of Jesus Christ, Michael left the gay lifestyle, pursued a healthy heterosexual lifestyle, feels he no longer struggles with attraction toward men, and finds himself very much attracted toward women, looking forward, if it's God's will, to marriage and to children. We talked about claims that Michael is crazy, a racist, an advocate of bullying, and someone just seeking attention, and he explained why all those criticisms are false. It was at that point that we shifted gears and began talking about homosexuality in the Bible, which is where we left off in last episode. So now that you're caught up, let's move into part two of the interview. Well, that was that was uh, your story, and I appreciate you sharing that with me. I want to shift gears now and talk about homosexuality in the Bible. Um, there are many who don't think that the Bible really has anything to say about homosexual behavior today, uh, even some who are convinced that it's perfectly acceptable to be a Christian and practice homosexuality and, and be biblically consistent. Now, I don't think you think that's the case, and neither do I. So how, how would you summarize the biblical case against homosexuality? Uh, how would I personally summarize it? I would point people to the Bible. Um, I believe that the Bible is inerrant, as we've discussed, uh, I guess, previously to this interview. I believe that the Bible is God's word revealed to man, and it's every aspect of the truth that he wanted to be revealed uh, to man in in the word. Um, obviously, he has uh, general revelation as well, which is in our um, our beautiful creation, which uh, does inspire us and remind us of his presence in, in him. But we cannot be saved uh, from our sins without reading God's word. I believe God's word is quite clear uh, about the sinfulness, the sinful nature of man, the fallen nature of man. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And there is none righteous, no, not one. Um, all of our righteousness is filthy rags. And so for us to try to get right with God on our own would be like taking one of those filthy rags and trying to wipe our face clean with it. It wouldn't work. We would get uh, filth all over our face. We are filthy in God's eyes, and uh, we would we would need a Savior. We do need a Savior. There is no other way to enter God's heaven. And so uh, the Lord, in his goodness, in his kindness, and in, of course, his demonstration, ultimate demonstration of love, he sent his son, his uh, eternal begotten son, um, who came to earth and became flesh. And uh, John the Baptist identified him when he first saw him as the Lamb of God, who comes to take away the sins of the whole world, not just the Jews. Although he was born as a Jew, he came to take the sins of the whole world. And so I praise God every day for uh, his gift of salvation that he literally and legitimately sent Jesus here for me, uh, for you, and for anybody who's listening. Um, Jesus died on the cross for every single one of our sins, past, present, and future. 
And for us to uh, receive that gift, we simply have to believe. We have to reach out the hand of faith and just take the gift that God has given us. It's entirely by his grace. For if it was by our human works, uh, then we would be taking credit for it. And our works, as I've already described, are already tainted by our sin. So it doesn't make sense that we could, even if we tried, work our way to heaven. There are many so-called Christians who uh, have some notion of a works-based uh, salvation, and uh, they are wrong. Um, God offers salvation by grace alone and f- through faith alone in Christ alone. Uh, that said, um, many Christians today are confused about their theology. Many Christians today are confused about their theology because Satan uh, is very active in uh, producing counterfeits of Christianity. He is not going to go out there and, and put something that looks like a big, dark, nasty cave that's quite obvious, that is very evil. He, instead, being that he's he himself is evil and the trickster and the father of lies, is going to create counterparts that look very similar. I myself fell into one of those, being that I went to the Mormons for three months. I, I, I fell into one of those traps that Satan has laid, where uh, we see... Uh, quote-unquote, good works. We see, quote-unquote, good people. We see, uh, quote-unquote, morality. And we think, well, that must be right. You know, that must be good. There must be some truth in that. Uh, certainly, even with the Buddhists that I spent time with, there there were a lot of kind people. There was there was a lot of kindness. There was a lot of what seemed to be peace and uh, even good works. So you could say, well, wow, somebody's working in a soup kitchen. They must be a good person. Hmm. Um so and and there's a lot of good that is done in this world uh, that um, is not done by a Christian. But uh, according to John 15:5, um, anything that we do outside of Christ is worthless. Does that mean it's worthless from man's perspective? No, not necessarily. But does it mean it's worthless from God's perspective? Yes, it does. So anything done outside of God is perpetuating the world system. The world system is increasingly infiltrating our churches. This is clearly described in God's word as the apostasy. It's described in God's word that people in the later days will turn to fables and they will only listen to teachers who tickle their ears. Increasingly, we have so-called Christians. We have people like Rick Warren. We have other people out there like Joel Osteen, people who are not actually interested in preaching God's love, God's truth, but they're actually interested in preaching some sort of watered-down um, sentimental version of love. Joel Osteen himself says, "I don't want to make people unhappy. I don't want to make people. Uh, I don't want to make people sad." You know, and and I'm sorry to say, but the Bible is not a book written to make us feel good about ourselves. Right. The Bible is a book written to make us realize that we are wretched sinners. That uh, there's no right that we could do. Again, our righteousness is filthy rags. And praise God that we receive Christ's righteousness imputed into our account. And on account of that, we can then receive salvation. It's not our righteousness that gets us to heaven. It's his. And Paul, I love Paul. And he said, I want to be found in him, not having any righteousness of my own, but my righteousness is of Christ. And I praise God that Christ became sin for us. And he knew no sin. And he did that so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. And so all of these aspects of God's gospel are so wonderful that Satan does not want people to know them. Satan wants people to get confused. Satan wants people to appropriate and perpetuate a gospel of works. If Satan can get people to believe in themselves, they will not believe in God. If Satan can get people to believe in their goodness, then they will not feel the need to rely on the goodness of Christ. And that is a very sad tragedy in our world, but it's not a shock. Because God clearly told us in his word this was going to happen. Yeah. Now, all of that is the foundation for your answer. Homosexuality is one of many sins. The only way to get out of our sins is by faith in Christ, is by him leading us out of our sins. I tried works. I tried my own works. I tried Buddhism for a while. I tried meditative works. Buddhism is a works-based religion. Islam is a works-based religion. False Christianity is a works-based religion. All other religions on earth are works-based. There's only one religion, which is not even a religion. It's a truth. It's a relationship that has entirely to do with God's grace. And that's Christianity. Reach out and grab Christ and you are saved. 
don't rely on your own works. I tried to rely on my own works to clean my clean up my sins. That doesn't work. We are uh, reprimanded by Paul in Galatians that if we were saved by faith, if we were saved through God's grace, how are we going to be cleaned up? Is it going to be by our works or is it going to be by him? Is it going to be by his grace? It's going to be by his grace. Those people back in Galatia were Christians, but then they were starting to go into all this Judaistic, legalistic, works-based stuff. And so there was this idea there that they could make themselves more holy. Well, that's not going to happen. The only way to become more like Christ is to let Christ sanctify us through the power and the work of his Holy Spirit. And so this applies for homosexuality. This applies for any sin out there. It is critical that we rely on God's grace. And I struggled with that. I tried to find my way, as I said, uh, through homosexuality, as I said, trying to maybe find a meditative technique. And the way it was, it was even framed in the New York Times was a little bit misleading. They said that I found some way to, quote, unquote, unpack my sexual desires and then, you know, get out of them. And that would be a humanistic workspace perspective that I, have, I had somehow found a trick. Yeah. You know, and, and now, and now I could take that trick, you know, and maybe I could go on the lecture circuit and I could give people the 12 steps of how to, how to get over their homosexual sin. In truth, the only way to get out of homosexual sin is to be faithful to the Lord Jesus. Now, there are people who have healed out of homosexual sin, and that's great. You know, now, maybe they have heterosexual, you know, lives and, and maybe they're not Christians. That's fine. You know, that's great. And uh, and I think that's wonderful in terms of their homosexuality, but uh, they still have other sins that they probably need to deal with. Sure. And when it comes to the end of their life, um, they're probably if they don't accept the Lord, they're not going to end up going to heaven, and that's going to be something that's going to be pretty uh, unfortunate for them. So it all comes back down to the Lord, and it all comes back down to His gospel. Homosexuality is an issue, uh, an issue that's predominant seemingly in our day, but it's been around. Um, read the book of Judges, and homosexuality appears at the end. And why does it appear at the end? Because Judges is a picture of a society turning from God, a society turning to, as it is said twice, and anytime something appears more than once in the Bible, you know God means us to pay attention to it. <laughs> it says this was a time when people, were, anyone was doing what seemed right in their own eyes what seemeth right in their own eyes. And that's exactly what we have going on in our society today. We have people doing what seems right in their own eyes. In Judges, people turn from God to do what seemed right in their own eyes, and more and more depravity set in, more and more uh, sickness set in, and uh, by the end of it you see uh, homosexuality appearing in that society. So I I don't know what else to say about it. I, I focus on the gospel because it is the most important thing in my life. The cross of Christ is the most important thing in, in my life, and, and I believe it's the, the only thing that can truly save us from our sins. Yeah, well, and I, I definitely uh, share your passion for the gospel. I really appreciate you laying it out. Um, but just in case there is anybody who, um, you know, totally agrees with everything you've said about the gospel, but maybe questions whether or not homosexuality is in fact a sin, I guess the question that I wanted to know why don't is, they read, why don't they read the Bible? Can you give us uh, some, a couple of specific passages that people can go to? Romans chapter 1 has a very thorough description of what happens when people turn from God. And instead of acknowledging the Creator, they begin to worship the created things. And that includes idolatry, which includes the worship of the body, which leads ultimately in many ways to to homosexuality, to sexual sin and and sexual indiscretion of all kinds. You see in Romans chapter 1, verse 27, um, Paul is discussing men lying with men, doing that which is unseemly, and receiving in themselves the recompense of the error, which was meat. The recompense of the error. They are receiving God's wrath, God's subtle wrath, um, God's uh, honest wrath, and they are going to receive that in, in what manifests as uh, sexual confusion. Um, I know for me, uh, there was a sense of always having to fight. What is it that you're fighting? You're fighting the truth. So today, anybody who's actively involved in homosexuality has to fight the truth. The truth will always be the truth. Christ is never going to change. He's the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. I don't care how many people out there think that they can uh, rewrite the Bible. It's never going to change. God's word is the only thing that is eternal besides people. 
And so what's going to happen is that these people are going to continue to say, well, you know what? I have found all these other people that agree with me that homosexuality is somehow now a sanctified sin. It's no longer a sin. It's now a sanctified sin. <laughs> and, and, and those people, you know, the end of chapter one in Romans describes those very people. It says, you know, when you're doing something wrong, even though you know it's wrong, you can find a whole bunch of other people who will agree with you. And then you guys can just sit there and be really pleased with yourselves because you all agree. It doesn't mean that the truth has changed. It just means that you've done your best to try to silence the truth uh, so that the truth will stop nagging you. And I remember what that was like because that was my whole life as a gay activist was to try to silence the truth by uh, political activism, by kind words, by, by sweetness, by, you know, diplomacy, by all these other intellectual efforts. I, I tried my best to change people's minds. I thought Christians were wrong and I thought their truth was not true. Um, but there is only one truth, and it's not going to change. God's word will not change, and homosexuality will always be a sin because it is opposed to human life. Yeah. Homosexuality is so obviously a sin, it's, it shouldn't even be a, a, a discourse. It should just be quite clear to us that homosexuality, abortion, um, sexual immorality, uh, they're, they're just not right. They're not right in God's eyes, and they're not right logically speaking either. So for somebody to live in the um, sort of disbelief uh, and, and the ignorance is for that person to be constantly struggling. Uh, Romans one twenty seven says they'll receive in themselves the recompense of the error of their ways. Um, I, I, I hope that anybody who um, is, is, well, frankly, dumb enough to think that uh, homosexuality is okay would just wake up and uh, stop trying to convince themselves of something. Um, I hope that they would break their hearts a little bit and realize that what they're trying to do is um, is to defend a behavior that is not right in God's eyes, that God loves them so much more than that. God loves their family members who perhaps they're trying to defend uh, their family members. I know a lady in my church whose son is quote-unquote gay. He's involved in a quote-unquote gay relationship. He's with a guy, and she just ha- can't bring bring it upon herself to say anything to him because she's afraid she's not going to be able to speak to her son again if she says something to him. Yeah. This is a very real fear, um, and this is a very real um, challenge for Christians today. It's very hard for us to love as Jesus loved. It's very hard for us to do that, especially when it means we might lose our family members. Of course, Christ did say something about that, if, yeah. if we remember. He said that might, might happen. He said, if you love me more than your family, he said, he said you should. And he, and he warned us, this might happen. We might lose our family members. But that is, is a very difficult teaching, a very difficult teaching. And it, and it can seem so much easier to just say, you know what? Maybe Paul was just, maybe Paul was in a different historical context when he was talking about homosexuality. And so, you know, maybe just in this one issue, I can let it slide a little bit. Because then you just feel like maybe you can get your family back. Right. Maybe you can restore that relationship. And uh, and it's not just Paul. I, I hate to say it. it, it, it it's and I, I don't hate to say it. Um, it it's God. It, Genesis. When when we see Sodom and Gomorrah, and I remember the other side of the argument because I used to fight against Sodom and Gomorrah story. I remember saying, it's not a story about homosexuality, it's a story about hospitality. Because that's the, that's the, the sort of anti-Christian perspective, is that the Sodom, Sodom and Gomorrah were destroyed because uh, Lot was not hospitable. Hmm. That is not true. Sodom and Gomorrah is a picture of a society that was degrading and degrading to the point where their sexual, their sexual uh, indiscretions were so profound. Think about it logically. They were so profound. They were going, that society was not going to go anywhere. Yeah. They were so involved in homosexuality that that society was literally not going to go anywhere. You can't make babies. And so you can't have good, healthy, marital units, families. The society was so depraved that God, uh, determined it was time to destroy it. And in God's ultimate timing and and sovereignty, he would then use that as a picture for the rest of history as a lesson, an object lesson. Look at this society that turned so far from me 
it got to the point where it was so depraved that it wasn't going to go anywhere. It was just going to go further and further and further into total depravity. And so he had to destroy it, and he did so as an example for us today. Of course, homosexuality was also um, mentioned in uh, the Mosaic Law as something that was not was not good. Now, homosexual activists will say, oh, yeah, well, so was eating shellfish. Okay, fine, good point. Um, that, that said, um, what was the real reason for the prohibition on homosexuality? It was to keep the family uh, alive. It was to keep life uh, going. And also, the Mosaic Law has been now superseded by Christ himself. And in Christ, uh, we... Um, don't have to adhere to all of the aspects of the Mosaic Law. For example, the eating of shellfish. We can eat shellfish. That's perfectly fine, unless um, I'm not a Jew. So I'm sure that there would be some Orthodox, perhaps, Jews that might adhere to some aspects of the Mosaic Law that I wouldn't, uh, personally, as a Christian. But they both agree on homosexuality, the prohibition against homosexuality. If you look, even when I was at the Buddhists, I looked back into their history, very clear prohibitions against sexual indiscretions, including homosexuality in the Buddhist uh, theological history. Similar with uh, Islam, very clear prohibitions against homosexuality. Uh, ultimately, um, I think if anybody looks hard at the truth about homosexuality, they will find that uh, their common sense is telling them the truth already. Yeah, I think that's an excellent answer. Those are just the passages I was hoping you'd bring out. Now, there's also First Corinthians chapter six, which I think is the most important passage. Because in First Corinthians chapter six, Paul says he makes a long list of all the people, and and we always, because of our human nature, we like to think, oh, those people. And so he says, you know, adulterers, fornicators, homosexuals. Um, liars, whatever else he, he lists there. All these people will not inherit the kingdom of God. And we like to, you know, look at that and say, well, at least I'm not one of those, you know, in our human nature. Right. And then he says, and such were some of you. Yeah. And then he says, but you were washed. You were cleaned. You were made righteous in God's eyes through the blood of Christ. And that is the message. And this is where, honestly, anybody who's a real Christian should be really, 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 really upset at the people preaching a false gospel. Because as soon as you say homosexuality is okay, you prevent that person from experiencing the grace of God. Yeah. I have experienced in my life, and I know so many other people who have, God's grace and healing and deliverance. Why would I want to take away that beautiful gift from somebody else by telling them, no, you know, for you, you should just go ahead and keep sinning because your sin is just fine now because I said so and a whole bunch of other liberal Christians said so. Right. You know, you just go ahead and keep doing that. It prevents them from experiencing the grace of God. Yeah. And that's very sad. I agree wholeheartedly. Well, so how is it that you've found in your life and in the lives of others that, that, this, that the truth of God's word about homosexuality bears out? I mean, how would you say that your experiences and those you've seen others experience uh, confirm what the Bible says about homosexuality? Just by personal experience, most of all. Um, obviously, by my own sanctification where the Holy Spirit, you know, showed me my sin and said, yeah, homosexuality is your sin. You know, that's one of the sins you need to deal with. And I remember writing on my computer screen several years ago, I am straight. Homosexuality is death. I choose life. And those were truthful statements. And I knew they were true. Now I had to deal with them. <laughs> I had to figure out what to do about them. But I knew they were true, you know. And uh, so, you know, when, 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 when we see the truth, it's like, okay, wow, well, now we've got to kind of respond to that. It's kind of like what it's like when you, when you see the Lord. Yeah, well, I guess I'm just just to be clear, I guess what I'm getting at is, um, you know, I, I personally believe that God's prohibition uh, against certain sins is in part because of the devastating effects that those sins have on our lives. And so the question I'm getting at is, um, if, if God's condemnation about uh, condemnation of homosexuality is not simply arbitrary, um, but but does in fact have devastating consequences on our lives, what are some of those that you've experienced or that you've seen others experience? Oh gosh. Um... Well, I mean, it's hard to, to look back at my, at, at my sort of mindset, uh, 
and say, you know, what were the things that were hard about it? Mm. Um, you know, um, because I, I'm not there today. Um, so I'm, I'm tr- trying my best to look back, you know, in my mind and say, well, what was I like when, when I was, you know, when it, when in 2004, what was I like? Um, if that's what you're asking. Well, I, I, I was, I, yeah, in a sense. I was, I, I was unhappy, uh, but, but I didn't know why I was unhappy. Um, you know, uh, I, I certainly blamed everything, uh, but homosexuality. You know, I, I didn't, uh, I didn't think for a second it could be homosexuality that was leading to my unhappiness because I'd been sanctifying homosexuality in my mind for, for years. And yeah. so it didn't, didn't dawn on me that that could be my issue. Uh, there's all, you, we can find endless points to, 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 to blame, uh, our circumstances on, uh, and, and nobody's ever totally fulfilled all the time. So, uh, you know, back then, I'm sure any time that I was unfulfilled or unhappy, I would have tried to find other places to blame that unhappiness on. Uh, and, uh, so, you know, ultimately it was just by God's grace that, um, he led me to look right at the, at the sort of obvious thing, uh, homosexuality. And honestly, when, when that happened, it was like, uh, duh, really? Yeah. Cause, cause it was just like, how could that be? I mean, that's just the most obvious thing, but sometimes the most obvious thing is the, is the, is the real truthful thing. So, um, you know, I, I, I don't really fully know how to answer your question because it seems like, uh, there's a sense there of, of looking at everybody else's life and, and, and determining how they have been, um, made, made to suffer condemnation. And I, I can't, say how that happens because it, it happens differently for every every individual and uh, we are condemned for so many of our sins not just homosexuality yeah i understand well so maybe you could unpack for us uh some quotes attributed to you in that new york times piece um your friend quoted you as writing that homosexuality delivered to young minds is by its very nature pornographic can you explain mm-hmm. what you mean by that sure it's um by its very nature pornographic uh, i mean what i said um Pornography is uh, something that is um, illegal in God's eyes. It's something that is uh, prurient. It's something that uh, really confuses our um, our sexual uh, focus and uh, makes us just literally makes us confused. Um, it's something that uh, just should not be seen. Um, and I know many Christians who've struggled with pornography, and they could tell better stories about that. Uh, it's just a uh, it's something that God tells us not to do. And so homosexuality by its very nature is pornographic. It is something that confuses our minds. Even by mentioning it, even by talking about it, um, unless we are doing it within a strict biblical context where we are saying what's right and what's wrong, um, then it could have the possibility of titillation. It could have the possibility of confusion. And uh, so it's by its very nature pornographic. I think the quote specifically was homosexuality delivered to young minds. And, uh, so it's essentially just, um, it's by, by even giving one message to a young person, whether it's on a sitcom or whether it's in these new, uh, horrible, uh, health, uh, classes that we see in our junior highs and high schools, um, we are just drilling our, our young people with a pornography, um, which is really, really despicable. Yeah. Well, so another quote that, that is attributed to you in that article, you said that homosexuality prevents us from finding our true self within. What do you mean by that? Um, well, I think homosexuality, if we do sanction that as a sin and say it's okay, then what we will uh, basically enable somebody do, to do is to just uh, latch on to that identity and uh, to uh, not allow Christ to offer them the freedom from sin, which, of course, is that true self, uh, the, the new man that is referred to uh, by the Apostle Paul in his epistles. Um, we are to put off the old man with all of its sins, with, with covetousness, which is idolatry. And he's describing about sexual sin there. He could be describing about other things. But certainly homosexuality is entirely lust-filled. It's entirely covetous. It's entirely idolatrous. And so we are to put off these indiscretions. We are to put off these um, the, the sins of the flesh 
then we are to put on the new man. And so if we were to tell somebody, no, no, actually, you're okay, uh, you can just go ahead and do that, uh, we're preventing them from accessing uh, the true self, the, the new man that Christ offers us to have in him. Yeah, that's good. I mean, that's a good answer. <laughs> um, now, it's good, too. It's good. It's good stuff. It's good news. Yes, it is. Absolutely. It is, it is good news. I just meant that what it is that it does isn't good. <laughs> <laughs> no, definitely not. Well, so now in 2005, um, when you still had not, at least from what I understand, had not yet renounced homosexuality, you wrote in a Time cover article that you alluded to earlier, I don't think the gay movement understands the extent to which the next generation just wants to be normal kids. The people who are getting that are the Christian right. Now, could you elaborate on this? I mean, what, what is it that you believed the Christian right, as much as perhaps you otherwise disagreed with them at the time, what is it you believe that the Christian right understands? Well, at that time, I was a queer activist, and so what I was trying to articulate at that time was from a 180 degrees perspective of, of the Bible. I was trying to say, though, that, um, that young people wanted to be more normalized, so they didn't want to stand out in um, gay pride parade type uh, contexts or, or be, from what I had seen in my, in my travels of the country and interviewing quote-unquote gay and lesbian and transgendered youth, what I was seeing more and more was just this desire to fit in, a desire to be normal. And what I was seeing at that time was that um, Christian groups seemed to be aware of that desire to be normal. And in fact, they were utilizing that desire to be normal by uh, articulating the position that the normal that was desired was actually uh, Christ and that the normal that was desired was actually um, not homosexual, although at the time I didn't uh, put those two and two together. I see. Well, now, do you think that this desire to be normal, I mean, it, sometimes these kinds of uncomfortable feelings that uh, people who struggle with homosexuality have are chalked up to a sort of ingrained cultural homophobia. Um, do you think that this, that this desire to be normal and some of these other uh, uncomfortable feelings are actually, in fact, just homophobia that we need to drill out of people? Or do you think that there's something more innate, even designed to the feelings that you've described? Wait, I'm sorry, homophobia uh, that we need to drill out of people? What do you mean? Well, critics of, of what you and I have you know, uh, put forward here would say that some of the desire to be normal that kids have that are struggling with homosexuality are, are just the product of homophobia that we need to get rid of. We need to get rid of homophobia because then these kids feel free and comfortable with their sexuality, their homosexuality. And if well, you I, reject, I reject the notion of homophobia. Um, and that is uh, one of the sinister uh, recreations of Satan. Um, homophobia, what they, what when they when they use the word homophobia, what they are referring to is biblical truth and God's grace in healing from sin and being delivered from sin through the blood of Christ. That is called homophobia. So um, now I'm not saying that uh, salvation through Christ or, or deliverance from our sins means that uh, bullying and all these other things that may happen, uh, th those we need to separate and realize, okay, somebody can always at any point take truth and then take it into their own hands and do things that are incorrect. There are people of all faiths and all backgrounds that do wrong things. There are, there's, I think there was recently someone that bombed an abortion clinic. Mm. And uh, he, he may or may not have called himself a Christian. He may or may not have been a Christian. Um, obviously, what he did is not something I would think was a good thing um, to uh, murder because the Lord tells us not to do that. Um, so I don't advocate uh, gay bashing or bullying but um, or anything like that, that that someone could say was instigated by a philosophy of homophobia. But honestly, homophobia is one of those buzzwords, and it's really um, not a word I think we should be allowing to uh, go forward uh, without correcting it yeah. and say, no, 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 this is not homophobia. Um, I'm not afraid at all of your homosexuality. I know it's wrong, and I love you enough to tell you that. Uh, there's not enough Christians that are allowing Christ's love to compel them. As Paul says, the love of Christ compels me. Um, sometimes when we let that agape love compel us, uh, it puts us in a position of vulnerability, of being vulnerable to attack. 
but it's far better for the kingdom and it's far better for others' souls if we allow the Lord to love through us. And when we do that, uh, we might uh, say things that other people might say are quote unquote homophobic. Uh, we might we, we we might have that uh, happen to us, and we should be prepared that that's going to happen to us um, because it's just one of the ways that the world has tried to twist the situation and um, again um, kind of hide uh, the truth. Another one is internal homophobia. That is something I struggled with because the quote-unquote gay people uh, are told that uh, if they have any questions about their sexuality inside of them, it's internal homophobia. Right. So what is happening there is quite sinister because then really this, this message has gotten all the way down to the conscience and it's a sense that the conscience is being renamed. Mm. I just spoke with a guy, I just spoke with a guy about this. He was saying, well, you know, my friends call me a shame queen. It's a term that gay, sometimes, sometimes, some gay people that they have terms like such and such queen. So like you're a drama queen, which means, you know, you're, you're always dramatic or whatever, or you're a such and such queen. And honestly, they have much more sexual terms that are kind of gross that I wouldn't want to go into. But if a person only likes a certain type of person, they might call him a such and such queen. Mm. So they have this term shame queen, meaning he's always full of shame about his sexuality. And they tell him, you just need to, you know, you need to work out your issues. You're full of internal homophobia. And uh, honestly, I told him that's not internal homophobia. That's your God given conscience telling you that you just can't accept this. You know that there's something that you just can't accept about this. And I said, which one of those do you think is true? Do you think it's God's conscience, the, the conscience God gave you, or do you think it's internal homophobia? And he said, honestly, if I answer honestly, you know, I think it's God telling me the truth. I said, which one of those do you think is true? He said, I think this is true. So nasty stuff going on out there. Again, it's, it's all the same. This, this, this accusation of racist, this accusation of bully, this accusation of homophobia, this accusation of internal homophobia. It's all these lies uh, yeah. that, that are really thrown out to cover up uh, the truth. And the truth is so much better. Yes. <laughs> so much better. Yeah. Having been there myself, having seen these lies, having lived in those lies and, and believed them, it is, it is just so much better to, to live in truth today. Uh, and it's just a, a wonderful thing. So I, I, I really hope that people can come to know that, but it, you know, it's, it's God that is going to do this. I, I, I have nothing but faith and, and, and love and, and trust in the Lord that He is sovereign, that He can overcome and do what he needs to do. He might do something drastic. We don't know what he's going to do. He might do something drastic in our society because we have gotten, at least in, in the Western world so far, from him, it seems. But he's already doing something. He's bringing Christians back to life. He's, he's, bringing, he's separating the wheat from the chaff. And there's a lot of, of fake Christians. And they're very loud. And they're very dominant, seemingly dominant. And, and they, see... A real Christian is, 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 does their best to be, uh, relatively humble, does, does their best to, uh, you know, just kind of live their lives. And so the other people, well, they get real active and they, uh, pull out all the stops. And so they dominate the denominations. They pull the denominations away from God's word. But, and many of the denominations have, have literally, uh, lost God's hand of blessing because God cannot bless a, church that is going uh, completely contrary to his word because that would be contrary to his holy nature and so we do see though god bringing back uh some sense of life to uh christianity um even to uh some christians in america there's exciting stuff happening um but it's kind of like the gauntlets being thrown down you know when jesus says you're either with me or against me he's pretty serious about that he, he he's not just asking for a surface level you're with me or you're against me. He's asking for a gut level, a soul, a spiritual level. Are you with Christ? And if you're with Christ, you got to follow him and do what he says. Yeah, absolutely. Well, one of the most common challenges to the biblical view of homosexuality is the belief that sexuality is innate, uh, something we're born with and un- unable to change. I've often heard people object, saying something like, how could God condemn the desires he gave me? Um, and of course, as you know, I'm sure know, many self-identifying homosexuals will say that they've always felt attracted to the same sex and that they've tried to change but have had no success. Now, 
in an interview that I've read with you and Joseph Nicolosi, you suggested this idea so ubiquitous in today's culture that sexuality is innate and immutable is really mistaken and stems from the assumption that homosexual impulses stem from our identity, from who it is that we actually are. Can you, can you elaborate on that? Sure. There is a false identity we can put, put on ourselves. We can wear this uh, false identity and we can, we can say, I am a gay man. And, um, and, uh, it's it's not true. Um, even while I was practicing homosexuality, I was a a man uh, created by God. Um, my desires may have been confused. My desires may have been perverted, um, which is a great word. Honestly, it, it's really a good word. It's a perversion of of something. It's a distortion of something. Um, and honestly, the the right thing to do in that situation would be to say, "Oh, this has happened." The right thing would be to have this this great society. And I'm not an idealist. I don't think we can just change our society to fit some um, ideal like uh, the liberal sort of theology says. We can just uh, reach this uh, utopia. I don't believe that we're going to reach a utopia. I think Christ is going to come back and establish His kingdom, and I look forward to that day. But um, but uh, but homosexuality is just one of many sexual confusions, perversions that can take place. And honestly, what what really should take place there, uh, I believe, and, and I think the Bible uh, stands uh, for this, is that um, truth should be shared. Uh, we should speak the truth in love, and people should understand that there is this possibility for sexuality to be um, completely. Um, distorted and um, confused and we should uh, call a spade a spade and we should say this is what's happening um, rather than um, uh, really condemning we should uh, with God's grace we should love the individual and say to that individual okay we understand you're you're, you're experiencing this difficulty in your development um, in your uh, upbringing perhaps although we don't know exactly um, where it came from, but this is this is what this person's dealing with. Let's sort this out. Let's um, heal uh, from this distortion, and let's come together as a Christian community. Let's come together as a community to help uh, that individual. So um, it's important that we we when I when I think about my aunt, uh, who um, a Christian lady, when I was quote unquote gay, she would say to me. Um, I would tell her, you know, I would call her because I didn't have a big family and didn't have parents. I would call maybe once or a little while and, and, uh, and I might connect and I might say, you know, hey, you know, or she might call and say, how are you? And I'd say, oh, well, actually, I just, you know, the first issue of, of a national magazine I, I'm the editor of, it just came out. And, you know, I was kind of excited. And, and so I'd say, you know, this is kind of neat. And she'd say, oh, that's nice. You know, and then she'd say, so have you, have you dated a girl yet or have you started dating women yet? Hmm. And I would get so angry at her because in my mind, I had a fixed identity and it wasn't going to change. Now, that was ironic considering I was a queer theorist and I believed that uh, sexuality was fluid. So it, it, it didn't have structural integrity, but, you know, bad ideas never do. But you think that they do while you're in them. Yeah. And uh, so I felt like, you know, she, she just doesn't get it. She doesn't get it. You know, this is this is me. Of course, it's really who I've chosen to be, but uh, but I didn't quite, you know, again, I didn't quite have all the synapses uh, connecting uh, back then because I wasn't following the truth. Um, so when you're not in the truth, uh, nothing kind of connects, but um, logically. Um, and so I would tell her, you know, well, come on, you know, Gene, you know, you know me, you know, I'm in a relationship with Ben and, you know, this and that. But see, what she was exemplifying there was what is it very important for us to do as Christians is to not see, not buy into this identity that someone else might put on themselves, not buy into this identity that they may, in their mindset, um, have adopted. Um, when I deal with people today, uh, I'm not thinking, oh, this is a gay man talking to me. I'm thinking this is a man talking to me, a man who is struggling with uh, this particular perversion, this particular um, um, whatever else you want to call it. Um, and, and, and so it's, I, I hope that that point is clear. Yeah, I think it is. Well, as we begin to wrap up, one of the things that I often like to do is ask my guests for a parting message of sorts, what it is that they would like most for my listeners and me to take away from the discussion today, if nothing else, it, what would that be for you? 
Uh, that's a tall order to think of just one thing that um, <laughs> people could potentially take out of this conversation. I would, I would hope and pray that people could uh, take an understanding of the truth uh, out of this conversation, um, that uh, they would take an understanding that if they are actually seeking truth, that they would do that and that they would not um, um, believe uh, lies, even though those lies uh, might seem nicely packaged. I would uh, pray that they would uh, listen to the Lord and um, hear his voice and, and hear his call for them in, in their lives. And I would pray that they would soften their hearts enough to let him into their lives, to uh, control their lives and put them on the right track. I would pray for the people who are involved in sexual sin of any kind, whether it's homosexuality, whether it's... Um, uh, abortion's not really a sexual sin, but in some ways it, it, it ties into sexual sin a lot of the times because uh, it comes as a result of being disobedient, as a result of thinking, I'm just going to go out there and uh, have, you know, free intercourse. And uh, when when the consequence comes and now I'm pregnant, I'm just going to get rid of the baby. It all is, is quite awful. And, uh, and there's a reason why God is so adamant against sexual immorality. Um, God is so good that he is so adamant against sexual immorality. And I pray that people would hear uh, the truth uh, of God and know how good he is. And that, uh, as Romans 2, 4 says, that his goodness ultimately would lead them to change their mind, uh, ultimately would lead them to the metanoia, the, the repentance, the changing of the mind uh, that is so, so blessed and so wonderful uh, that I've been so blessed to, to have seen happen in my life. And uh, I can't uh, articulate and explain enough uh, how wonderful the Lord is and how much he loves us and how good he is. And uh, so thank you. Yeah, amen to that. Are there, any, are there any resources you can recommend before you leave, books, websites, organizations, anything like that, um, for either those listeners who might be looking for freedom from the homosexual lifestyle or who listeners who may have family members or friends who identify as homosexuals, any of those kinds of resources? You know, sadly, I can't offer resources because I have never used any resources and I, other than the Bible. And um, I really think that's probably the best resource because uh, there's a lot of things out there that you can't necessarily trust. Now, I'm certain there's a lot of books out there, but I haven't read any. Um, again, I'm not I don't have a ministry uh, for healing from homosexuality and I'm not here to necessarily um, be. Uh, like we've t already discussed, an active uh, activist for this cause. So I really don't know any resources. I'm sorry. I know that I've appreciated some things I've heard. There, there are a couple of things that come to mind as I'm talking. There's John Piper. I appreciate uh, his perspective. I know you're a Calvinist, so you appreciate him probably. <laughs> um, I appreciate his perspective on homosexuality. If you want to YouTube John Piper and homosexuality as a couple little snips there that are quite nice. Um, I think I appreciate his approach. He talks about it being brokenness and how we are all ultimately broken in our sin and we need healing from Christ. We need him to make us whole. Um, there's also a group called Gay Christian Movement Watch. And uh, ironically, uh, given our, our previous topic, uh, I, I think it's a, a African-American group that does that. And they they posted an article I wrote and, and they... Um, they were asked about the Obama racism thing, and, and the one guy said uh, he heard he heard my explanation of that, and he, he thought it made perfect sense. So, um, great uh, great individuals there. I've I've spoken with them a couple of times, and uh, they're very uh, seem to be very adamantly opposed to this idea that a person can be gay and Christian. And they I think they have a lot of testimonies on their website of people who've healed from homosexuality. I think uh, there was a woman uh, on the cover of Charisma magazine not long ago. Um, I don't remember her name, but I think she had an association with uh, Michelle Bachman, and um, she seems to be a spokesperson in some ways for healing from homosexuality. Um, I know that the Bachmans themselves did uh, did uh, support financially a, uh, a group called Love One Out, I think it is, and uh, so that w might be something to look into. Um, I'm just, you know, going off the top of my head, if people are interested, um, there are people out there There, really more than anything I can say is find a good Bible church, a church that really believes that the word of God is true, is inerrant, is, is thoroughly true from cover to cover, and that uh, God's truth is never going to change. And you'll know when you find those people, you can just ask them that question. You can just go to a church and say, do you believe God's word is true from cover to cover? 
and um, in every aspect. And uh, and then then you'll know if you can trust that individual. And then you can say, well, okay, honestly, I'm struggling with this issue. I'm struggling with the issue of sexual sin. I'm struggling with pornography. I'm struggling with homosexuality, and I'd like some help. And uh, hopefully that that will that help will come. I hope that helps. I, I'm not again. I'm not uh, in the business of of doing this. So. It's okay. Like you said, you're not you're not the poster child of this uh, so-called cause. So I totally understand. But you did say in a couple of, a couple of places in the interview that you uh, people can contact you. Do you want to give out your email address in case any of my listeners want to reach out to you if they need help or anything like that? Sure, absolutely. My email address is Michael M I C H A E L E Glatz G L A T Z E at gmail.com. So it's Michael E. Glatz, G-L-A-T-Z-E, at gmail.com. And I will do my best to have a conversation with you if you write to me. Great. Thanks very much, Michael. I, I really appreciate all your time today. Oh, sure. I, you know, and another thing that is a benefit, I guess a spiritual benefit of doing this for me is to just be able to talk about this stuff, you know, is always a good thing and to strengthen, uh, Hopefully our faith as, as brothers in Christ is, uh, is a blessing. So, uh, that's why I don't really mind that we talked for two and two hours and 23 minutes. <laughs> oh man. All right. We'll take care. All right. Well, that was Michael Glatz. Um, I hope you find his testimony as powerful as I do. I think that it, uh, really testifies to the truth that there is healing and transformation to be found in Jesus Christ. I think it's important that as Christians we don't just stand up for the truth that uh, homosexuality is contrary to the will of God, but that there is in fact um, the potential to be transformed if you're willing to let the Holy Spirit do his work inside you. Um, And I really think it does boil down to showing love to people that are wrapped up in in this movement. Uh, As Mike tried to point out, love is not condoning a behavior that displeases displeases God. It's reaching out to them with the uh, the gospel um, that with it brings um, transformation and healing uh, and salvation. So I hope you enjoyed it. Next week we're going to be talking to, Lord willing, Mike Felker uh, to talk about the Jehovah's Witnesses and their two-class theology. And I've got some episodes lined up after that that should be very fascinating as well. So I hope you'll join me for the next episode of the Theapologetics Podcast. Until then...